You are listening to a pleasure podcast. For more from our sex podcast collective, visit pleasurepodcasts.com. Welcome back to Private Parts Unknown, a podcast that explores love and sexuality around the world. I'm Courtney Kosak. And I'm Sophia Alexandra. And privates, we are popping our pussies for strippers' rights today. That's right, (laughs) honey. We are here to talk to two of our favorite people, dancers, organizers, about uh, some of the latest uh, stripper rights disputes that have been going on at the world-famous Jumbo's Clown Room and how that relates to the fight for uh, sex worker rights in general. Yeah, if you have been listening to the show for a while, you are probably familiar with these voices. We have Coco Ono, the brilliant performance artist, Megan Rippey, who is brilliant in her own right and does janky glamour, and they're both such badasses, and they've kind of been at the forefront of the Strippers United conversation that we've been following from the beginning. And I think that this is just such an important conversation to revisit because there's been a lot of progress and there's less whorephobia than there was when we were growing up. But I think that there's still a lack of respect for sex workers that trickles all the way down to how they are treated in the workplace. In this case, by the very person that employs them at the club. (laughs) exactly for whom they make money so truly this is something that i think a lot of our listeners are gonna identify with even on a simple level of when you listen to these women try to recount their experience working at this place for over a decade it's gonna start to sound like some of the worst relationships (laughs) um, you might have had in your life because um, the kind of gaslighting and the kind of tearing you down and self-esteem games that are being played in this case is like the intersection of capitalism and exploitation that, you know, we see in a lot of parts of life. Yes, but especially just by the nature of their job. God, you can just see how it would like just fuck with your head in the most grotesque ways. And I also think that this is a really interesting study in labor movements as well, because it is really hard to organize when any movement is made up of a bunch of individuals, all of whom have had different experiences and have come to the movement at different times, some much earlier, some much later, and with different levels of understanding. So I think it is really also interesting to view under that lens as well. Totally. So without any further ado, we are going to get into it. Here's Coco Ono and Megan Rippey. privates we are here with two of our all-time favorite dancers they have been on the show before and guests (laughs) yeah they're returning guests and it's so funny you were commenting right before we started but last time we were talking to you it was about unionization what happened (laughs) actually the last time we saw you i was painting that on your back Oh, oh yes, yeah. we have that great photo. Uh, <laughs> I love of you. that photo. Yes, 
Okay, well, yeah. before we get too deep into it, ladies, introduce yourselves. Who do we have the pleasure of speaking with? Uh, yeah, I'll go first. Uh, my name is Megan, aka Reagan, and I was a dancer at Jumbo's for 11, over 11 years, and a dancer there no more. Uh, so <laughs> yeah. a lot has happened in, in, in the last year. And I guess I should say I am also one of the founding members of Cyber Clown Girls, a virtual strip show that was started by dancers at Jumbos, but has become much more than that. But I'll just leave that there just as the intro. Oh, we're definitely going to get into that. Don't you worry. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Who else do we have the pleasure of speaking with? I am Kayla, also known as Coco Ono, um, also known as Akira, which I was using at all the strip clubs I ever worked at from 2005 on, uh, including Jumbo's Clown Room, which, gasp, I worked there for 15 years, not including the pandemic year. It would have been 16 years. Yeah, unbelievable. I spent my entire almost 20s there, which is like crazy to think. And actually, um, yeah, it, it's a little surreal. I sometimes wonder if I ever even worked there. <laughs> I gotta say, 11 years and 15, almost 16 years. I mean, that's an eternity at any You're job. straight up tenured professors. Yeah. Yeah. Well, one would think. One would think. Yeah. That's how you should be treated as the tenured professors of Jumbos. However, that turned out not to be the case. What spurred us to invite you guys back, not that we wouldn't have otherwise, but that we saw um, an Instagram post from Megan where she was talking about why she's not coming back to Jumbos, even though they are now reopening. And that was obviously shocking to read, knowing how long she had worked there. And um, she was saying that the working conditions, the mistreatment, and all of the things that had to do with the way Jumbos was run was actually pretty much exploitative. We were like, wow, we need to hear more about this because we, of course, have talked to you guys about Soldiers of Pole and the unionization effort that um, you guys have been trying to do. And I saw that, Coco, you commented on uh, Megan's post too in support. And so that's when we were like, okay, we need to check in with you guys and see what's been going on. But also I just want to say, and you note this in your post, is that jumbos is iconic and it was a like a big part of we've just said you've worked there forever and it was like kind of a part of your like identity in a way as well or you know i not to put too much on it but like it's not like you guys were like ashamed to be working you like you were proud jumbos girls yeah it was definitely like i i grew up there basically <laughs> I mean, a lot of my close friends now, we've met there. I've become really good friends with customers and families of customers, families of girls. Like, it's just, yeah, it's definitely, um, it's an institution for sure. And like a bittersweet kind of situation that you guys are in where it's like, yes, there's all this stuff that was wrong, but also like this place that I love. So let's get into the timeline a little bit, like what exactly transpired. 
Yeah. So the pandemic happened March, 2020, everything in LA shut down bars, nightlife, including jumbos. And it has been closed until I think like two weeks ago or a week, a week ago. What is time? I don't know. A week <laughs> or two you know, who knows? Who knows? <laughs> it reopened um, in June of 2021. And uh, in that time, um, there was a lot of uncertainty. And as a community, the Jumbo's dancers were a little bit fragmented. And so there were some dancers that were really innovative and started their own virtual shows. And um, that was awesome. And like, they were really like inventive and entrepreneurial and- That part was really cool. Yeah, it was. Just seeing a lot of the dancers did create their own shows, including us. Yeah. And so that, that, was, that was cool to see. It was really cool to see, honestly. A lot of you kind of blossomed into these, yeah, like have these dope shows every week that were like whole kind of like festivities. Tell us a little bit about Cyber Clown Girls. Yeah, so Cyber Clown Girls was founded on May 2nd. That was like our first show. And then I think we like, we called ourselves the Cyber Clown Girls after that. You know, at, at first it was like an homage to the Jumbo's Clown Room Girls and was kind of like a play on words with the word clown, obviously. But we were really careful. We didn't want it to be like mistaken to be like officially affiliated because we we didn't really know where things stood. Like we didn't know what our boss really thought about what we were doing. It was very like, there was a lot of uncertainty. And so we just wanted to be able to support ourselves and help each other without like stepping on any toes. So we, so we, we were never like, oh, we're the Jumbos girls. Like we, we like really toned that down. Um, we would mention in our shows like, yeah, we're started by girls who worked at Jumbos Clown Room, but it was not like an official affiliate. And I think what was cool is like, is we included past dancers. Yeah. So even if you had worked at Jumbos at any point in your life ever, even if it was like 10 years, 15 years ago, we'd be like, come on in, you know, all are welcome. But can I just say, regardless though, like the fact of the matter is you did work there. This was two months into the pandemic and like nobody had any idea what was going on and y'all are just trying to like support yourself and like start a show. So just wanted to throw that out there. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Yeah, it's funny to look at everything in hindsight because it's like, I feel like people just forgot already, like how scary that time was. And so like looking in hindsight, I'm sure you can, you can like nitpick everyone's decision during the pandemic. But remember when we didn't know how we were going to eat, remember yeah. when we didn't know if we were going to, how we were going to pay our rent. Like that was a real concern and it was fucking scary. And so like the fact that we were trying to like pull something together with each other and make it like a group effort and make it really inclusive. And like, we really wanted to involve at first it was like, yeah, it was jumbos oriented. So it was like, you know, everyone who worked at jumbos, everyone who ever had worked at jumbos. And part of that was to be sensitive to the fact that, well, I mean, this is kind of what we're talking about, but we, we wanted to be sensitive to the fact that, you know, scores of girls before us were fired from jumbos and we didn't want on multiple occasions. This isn't new. This has been happening for years and I've seen a lot. And so has Reagan. Yeah. 
And so, and we wanted the door to be open for them. We wanted it to be like inclusive to like just Jumbo's girls across time and space, you know, like if you were unjustly fired or if you left on your own accord or if you moved on or if you still work there, like all are welcome. Or if you tried to audition and, and got denied or wanted to once work there, but you weren't sure, you know, if they would hire you or how the hiring process worked or you heard from a friend, it was hard to get a job. It was literally like we just opened it to open door. Yeah, exactly. So one thing that I want to bring up is, um, so this is two months into the pandemic. Had you at this point heard at all from your boss? Uh, like, was there an email saying, Hey guys, I know, you know, most likely we're not going to be able to be doing this because touching and being around people isn't a thing right now. Like here's what's going to happen for you financially. Well, and bars were literally shut down, right? Yeah. We got the email that like the bars were closed. And then, so we started Cyber Clown Girls on May 2nd. So that was like less than two months after the final closure. Oh yeah. So we did get an email urging us to file for unemployment. Um, and that was in April. But that was it. And then there was, in May, there was like, that there's going to be a temporary layoff as all bars are temporary closed. And then there was like a link to the EDD site that was in May. And then we didn't hear from her again. Was there a personal aspect to it? It seems like this is just passing on information that is from the government. Was there yeah. an email from your owner saying, hey, you're probably worried about how you're going to eat? Did that ever happen? Well, that's the urging them to file for unemployment, right? Yeah. I'm I'm just saying as someone who lives with like a restaurant owner, they did have to send out mass emails being like, we don't know what's going on. So no, like, no, no, here's... no, I'm saying, <laughs> was there like a, hey, um, I've known you all for quite some time. That is I feel what a, I'm asking. I feel a yeah. personal responsibility to know that you are not going to starve? That is my question. Thank you. That is yes. my question. Because this is a small business. And yes, you send that email about filing for unemployment. I'm not suggesting you do not. But I'm also suggesting that if you've known someone for 12 years or 15 years that they've made money for you, maybe shoot off another one that says, <laughs> you know, appreciate you. Are you dead? You know what? You even, know? If, even if someone's worked for you for six months, I feel like anyone that's doing any sort of service for your business as a, as a human being, it's good to just, you know, say something. I do want to say there was that email that went out in mid May and it was about the lawsuit. It was encouraging us to make a claim. It's very clearly not written by <laughs> it's, it's, it's actually written like, like it sounds like heartfelt, which tells me it didn't come from our boss. Uh, but it's like, you know, at a time when everyone could use some extra money, please take advantage of this opportunity. In the meantime, I hope you and your families are well. And I look forward to the day we can all return to work to both make a living and have some fun. And I was like, oh my God, like, that's so nice. And I just want to say, like, I responded to that email. I responded, I sent seven emails over the course of the pandemic and none of them were responded to. 
So all of those emails that we got were sent out en masse to all of the dancers. And that was weird to me because I don't know, because I've always gotten an answer, even if it's like a one word answer, that's just like all good or not. Well, that's two words, but like, thanks or <laughs> fine or whatever. Like I usually get a right. response. Okay. But, okay. Yeah. But seven emails over the course of the pandemic, not one was responded to. So I thought that was bizarre. And then, so when I wasn't rehired, I was like, okay, I think this has been something that's like, like something that was instigated from early on. And that's why I thought, okay, it's because of cyber clown girls, because mm. clearly this is like originated from the very, very beginning that she just has not responded to me. And that's my best answer. So to clarify, I have no idea for sure why I've been fired. And that's part of like the pain of this whole situation is like, how do you work somewhere for 11 years and you, you don't even get a reason? for being let go. And then you did get a reason or, or I mean, then you did get a response, but after multiple attempts to, you know, have, have closure. You got a one sentence email, right? That just said after a bunch of poking and prodding, it said you will not be rehired. It was a text. Yeah. A text. It was, it was a text and, and it was just like, I'm just trying to figure out, you know, what this means and like what I should prepare for. And, you know, if for some reason I'm not going to be rehired, I don't want to waste anyone's time with these questions. And then the answer was, you will not be rehired. I think that's pretty reasonable. <laughs> yeah. Kayla, what was your experience in getting let go? Well, I never got an email. Not once. I did not reach out either. Um, and I, wasn't sure if it was because like, I wasn't sure if I was going to go back after this year and everything that had happened. I had a lot of time to think about what my experience was there. And um, to be honest, and maybe this sounds a little dramatic, but you know, it's not. <laughs> but uh, after working somewhere for 15 years, you would think that you would not have to worry every week what your schedule was going to be based on, you know, how nice you were. Mm. Um, did I smile enough? Did I do my hair different? Was my outfit like, okay. Like I always brought customers in, you know, and I didn't have any complaints from anybody. Like I, I barely took time off. <laughs> like, it's not like I had issues with customers, like, or anybody. I physically took care of myself. It's not like, <laughs> I changed a whole lot. I did change my hair over the years, but like, I didn't think I did anything that would, you know, a anyways, the point is that every week when I would put in my schedule, I was never sure if I was going to get zero shifts or three shifts. And like that, there's something that, that did to my like psyche that was just not okay. Not okay. It's a constant state of insecurity that your boss is maintaining as a power trip. Yeah. As a way to control you and having that jumbo's name. It's like for comedians, it's like the comedy store, or the improv or something. You're afraid. So you're like, well, fuck it. Yeah, I'm in here. I'm in here. I got in here. So yeah. You're afraid to mess it up. Yeah. And not to mention, I was like, you know, one of the few there was a handful of asian girls that worked there and so i'm just like am i getting too old like are there too many of us now or do you know what i mean i, I just always felt 
like I was in this state of fear, you know, just did I do something wrong? Like, did I say something? And so like it was going everything in my nature, which is to question things and like make work that's like investigative. And so, you know, I got the emails that everyone else got, but like I never got an email even saying like, can I, should I come back? Should I not? And I, I didn't ask. Um, cause I was like, do I even want to go back after all this? Like, this is pretty terrible. Once you're removed from it to realize that you are one of the handful of people that did got no, nothing, not even like, Hey, taking a break, only bringing so many people back. It was like, Oh wow. I don't even get the decency of like any information. <laughs> this is crazy. The communication part of it is like a bad relationship. Like when I read that she just ghosts you, like that's the end of the firing. And this is like, not just with you guys now, but with prior dancers, you never get an answer. You never get closure on this job that you've like loved for a long time. Yeah. And the, the, the really sad part to me is how the dancers are, you know, psychologically abused to the point Mm -hmm. that they are complicit. And yes, I am speaking of myself as well. I was a part of that. We were all a part of that. Unfortunately, Unfortunately. it's actually the, one of the most painful parts of it is to be like, wow, I did not say anything Mm -hmm. even after my friends were fired and Mm -hmm. You know, even now it's just like, you know, after Reagan wrote her letter, which also included like me in, you know, this being let go, I'm like, I want to write about my personal experiences and, you know, a lot of things that I tolerated that were pretty terrible that in maybe other jobs, you know, would be (laughs) just absolutely not tolerated. And the fact that we stayed there because it's it's a really weird place to be because you're in this job, you know, where you're going to school and you work nights. So it's like part time. So you think like, oh, I'm making decent money for the amount of hours I'm here. But then no one factors in like the emotional labor mm-hmm. um, that you're putting in to be constantly worried about, you know, your job security, and, you know, along with various other things, but it it was a good job for a long time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. One of the things I think that struck me a lot about what you wrote, Megan, and I can't wait to read what you're going to read, write, um, Kayla, because I'm sure it's going to add a whole new dimension to the experience. But one of the things you said was that your boss referred to you guys as paper towels because you guys were disposable. And I have to say that that made my skin crawl because, you know, we expect that shit from men, you know, we expect that shit. But when your female boss hires you to do a job that makes them rich and then looks down upon you for doing it, that is a certain level of like disgusting and emotionally abusive that I think like I don't have words for. And I'm sure you feel it much more than anything I could say. But that to me was, and just the way that she took out the booth in which you guys gave lap dances so you couldn't make that money because it made her uncomfortable to watch. 
uh, essentially just how can you have distaste for the people that make you money and the business that you operate and still operate it. It is a fundamental level of like capitalism on a most disgusting kind of small scale where you can see the person's face every fucking day. Well, you refer to her as a female misogynist, which I feel like just, you know, nails it right on the head because that's what all of her behavior indicates to me. It's like, yes, that's the kind of sleazy shit that you expect from like the asshole dude who owns the strip club, not from this woman. Yeah. Yeah. And you also touch on this in your letter too, but like the idea that I think is hard for some people to wrap their minds around that you are feminist strippers. <laughs> like you love your job and like you want to be doing this. And then on the other hand, your boss is like this female misogynist. Yeah, I think that's that, at least for me personally, that's part of my reason for for coming forward about this, because so often in, in this industry, clubs are just transitionary steps in our life. And it's like something bad happens. You just want to move on. You just you just want to, like, let it go, move on to, to the next thing. And perhaps you're not out about, you know, stripping or, you know, maybe you are doing it for survival and not for fun. And not to say that, I mean, I, I believe that I was kind of doing it for both because it was like my, <laughs> it was my job, but also it was, it was, you know, yeah, it was really, really fun. But like, but you know what I mean? Like in a situation where they would not otherwise be. So it's like, they're not going to stand up and, you know, make a big public declaration about all of the abuses that, they, that they've suffered. But for me, first of all, I, ha I have the privilege to be able to do that. Second of all, I do consider myself a fem, well, I am definitely a feminist and I consider myself a feminist stripper. And to me, that means that like, I enjoy what I'm doing and I care about strippers and strippers rights and uh, a woman's prerogative to make her own choices in her life. And so for me, I think coming forward is trying to illuminate for everyone who doesn't know the inner workings of jumbos, trying to illuminate that like this paradigm of empowered stripping that everyone thinks that it is, this reputation that it has that's larger than life. And like the sort of folklore of like these badass women who like, you know, don't take any shit. All, all of that's true. Like it's all true. The personality of Jumbos is what it is like for a reason. It's like badass and it's like not taking shit. And like, that's why I love it. But everyone who thinks that it's just this like paradise that, it, that everything's perfect here and it's woman owned and like the, you know, the women are in charge and they're empowered. It was an abusive situation. And like, I know that it sounds dramatic, but honestly, I'm telling you from my heart, it feels like I escaped a cult because the folklore and the culture around jumbos is so it's seductive and you want to believe in it. And like you, it, it, it is an amazing job and you don't want to lose it. You do not want to lose it. You love it. You, you know, but it's like, once you're, once you're out, you're like, wow, that was fucked up. That was something. Well, you've both been there and you know how cool 
It's fucking yeah. cool. It's really yeah. cool. It's really fucking cool. It is. Yeah. It's, you know, probably one of the most fun places in Los Angeles. Yeah. Like, hands down. And there's a cachet to being a Jumbos girl, I think. There is, believe me. I mean, I've gotten jobs from being a Jumbos girl. So it's yeah. really good. Yeah. Literally, people are like, you know, do you want to do this music video while you're coming down from being on stage? You're like, oh my God, this is the greatest job in the whole world. Like, I have gotten to, you know, perform at like Miami Art Basel and like all these places. Yeah. I literally was like, is this some kind of dream to be in this position? I'm not joking. Like, it really yeah. is, no, has it. been. And that's why it's like so hard to even talk about like the bad things that have happened, you know, and it sucks. Cokes, be honest. Have you been avoiding going to the doctor this past pandemic year? I'm not trying to get Corona, bitch. <laughs> that is the correct answer to a trick question. And can we be honest about how annoying it is to make an appointment and then go see a doctor just to get birth control or erectile dysfunction meds? Who wants to do that? Nobody. I'm staying at home in my sweatpants. Exactly. Which is why Eve Adam is the service for you. Because Eve Adam lets you meet with a doctor and get medication right from your couch. That's right, you can skip the phone calls, parking lots, waiting rooms, and pharmacy lines and just meet with a doctor on Eve Adam. Order your medication through your device and get refills delivered to your door on a schedule you set. Amazing. And in case you're worried, Eve Adam works with licensed doctors and an NABP accredited digital pharmacy, so you guys are in safe hands. And if you have any questions along the way, you can easily chat with a licensed physician through the chat feature in your account. Eve Adam offers brand names, affordable generics, and everything in between. They also offer birth control in a variety of forms, from pills to patches and rings. Eve Adam has all the resources you need to get the ideal medication for you. I love all the birth control choices. That is so nice. And you know what else is nice? Right now, Eve Adam is offering our listeners, you privates, 10% off when you go to eveadam.com slash private and enter code private at checkout. That's 10% off when you go to eveadam.com slash private and enter code private at checkout. So I've been reading the comments on the post uh, that you posted, Megan, and there's been a little bit of bad blood from some dancers that had been let go before and were saying, well, you didn't really give a shit about us when we left. And you very much were really openly saying like, yeah, I failed you guys. And I feel like we need to acknowledge that, yes, you are aware of that, that you guys now that you're out are like, fuck. But I also want to acknowledge the fact that this is a capitalist system built by your boss mm -hmm. to divide everyone. And I want us to all be like conscious of this being a thing that is like, you know, you can't beat yourself up when you've been like manipulated to believe that your value and your worth is tied into working at this place. This place in a certain way made you, raised you. And it is hard to let go. And the fear of being let go because you say something or because you support someone is real. And that's why 
the union thing is important. Mm -hmm. Do you want to talk a little bit about that, about other dancers speaking out about that? It's a precarious situation and it's still unraveling. I guess all I want to say about it is, is that like, I am well aware that I am imperfect and that even me trying as hard as I can isn't enough sometimes, you know, it's difficult. And I'm trying to, I'm trying to move through this rocky, rocky situation as well as I can. And that I just want to focus on the issues because they're still there and they're still important. And there's this thing about punching sideways when you should be punching up. So like the power is above you and you need to punch up and hold them accountable. And when the infighting takes over, I mean, it's gotten really scary to be honest with you. And I just hope that we can refocus. I hope that we can regroup. I hope that it's still possible to work together because there's still so much work to be done. And we all want the same thing, even though we have different methods and different histories and different you know, prerogatives, priorities. We still want the same thing. And so I just try to keep that in mind and just try to keep, keep working because working towards that goal is kind of the only thing that proves that I really do care. You know, I mean, the whole time I have known you both, you I've seen you be very active in your activism for different causes. And so I know that that's very important to both of you. Yeah. And I don't want to sweep under the rug that not only the show that you started made you and dancers money during a time where you wouldn't have been able to do so and kept you guys working and fed and clothed and in shelter. But also you managed to donate like what, $35,000 to different organizations. I mean, that's 35,000 more than your boss ever did. (laughs) So that is fucking amazing. And I think you should be super proud of the work that you guys do. Yeah, but I do want to ask, do you think at all that how politically active you have been and all the activism that you have done has been a factor in this firing at all? It's it's so, yeah. I mean, it, it's it's really hard to say to be honest. Um all I know is what my experiences were there personally in regards to a lot of um racial comments that I just would laugh off that were totally unnecessary made by managers or, you know, Mm -hmm. people that I essentially had to tip out uh, and basically keep my job. So there were comments made over the years that I swept under the rug. And this during this time of being off, I was like pretty loud about, you know, uh, being a part of Cyber Clown Girls, starting my own show, which is basically uh, highlighting, you know, a, mo- a majority uh, Asian performance roster. And I feel like I just kind of like had it <laughs> with the comments, uh, with the stereotyping. I don't know. I just don't really know. So to even say if that's true or not, like, we don't know. And that's like what's maddening about it is that we can just come to these conclusions. But like, this is all speculation, literally. 
And this is what we would go through every week. If you lost a shift, you're, you're like- Every week, we would be in distress crying to our friends. You're like, oh my God, I lost a shift. Who got what? Who got what? You got three? I only got one. I got zero. Oh my God, is this a mistake? What did I say? What did I do? Do you think it's because of my Instagram post about yada yada? <laughs> no, I'm not joking. Literally. Yeah. Was it my post? Is it my hair? Maybe I need a new outfit. Like every week. Yeah. And I told Reagan when we talk about how this is probably in hindsight, like the best thing that could have happened to us. I said, it still hurts, but mm -hmm. we don't have to live in this weekly, you know, state of panic. Like, yeah. am I good enough? Like, I'm sorry, but we already have to deal with this. It's just human beings, you know, in the world. Like, am I okay? <laughs> and also you already know the answer. The answer is, yeah, you were good enough for 15 fucking years. Exactly. So That's you're good enough. <laughs> You know, if you could do this job for over a decade. I mean, props. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's wild to me because it's also just like, I understand the manipulation that a capitalist does to just like keep their workers afraid. But the thing that really gets me is like, what a dumb business move it is because just investing in the workers that are making you money and that have been making you money for 10 to 15 years, that's how you keep people making you money. So it just seems like also very stupid. <laughs> oh my God. Well, it's a little crazy when, you know, you let go of the two people that have a long history with a lot of customers. Yeah. yeah. A yeah. lot a of lot. customers. Yeah. Also, you know, there's other opportunities like, hey, would you like to come to the club and start a live show for us? Or, you know, like, whatever. <laughs> it's just kind of like not the smartest move, maybe. Yeah, we're still kind of in a state of shock, I think. Just it's like, like I said, even though I, I really did want to, you know, leave at some point, in the near future, obviously, it's like been decided for me. <laughs> that always yeah. sucks. You wanted to have your own send off to like decide it on your own terms. Yeah, because yeah. I actually have, I have been present for some of the girls retirement parties and like everyone's crying and it's so beautiful. And yeah, it's like cathartic. Yeah, it's cathartic. You're like happy to send them off into the future oh. and it's just i know that I sounds like that. really sappy but it's just like we no, literally were nice. like i i did want to have that i'm so sorry you got robbed of that i know there's some cattiness sometimes but like there's like a sisterhood among dancers i feel like that is really special too so i'm sorry you didn't get that when you're in yeah when you're in dang <laughs> When you're out, don't count on it. But Kayla and I do have, we have some plans in the works, nothing on the calendar yet, but we have some plans to Ooh. throw our own retirement parties. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh my God, please invite us. Yes. Oh, oh, you're invited. Uh, we can't wait. Oh, it's going to be a fucking blowout. Maybe you could come in live, come in hot live. We would love to podcast. Oh my God. Broadcasting live from the retirement party. Ladies, we would be honored. Doing live commentary? All that right. Next up. We will MC the shit out of it. <laughs> Flowers are blooming. The grass is growing. 
and it's time to mow your lawn, privates. Thanks to our sponsor, Manscaped, you can trim those hedges below the belt safely and efficiently. That's right, Manscaped is here to make sure your balls are smooth and smelling nice. Manscaped is the only men's brand dedicated to below-the-waist grooming. They have precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped is cutting edge. They have the Perfect Package 3.0 kit. They've got their Lawnmower 3.0 that is waterproof and cordless. They have Crop Reviver. They have anti-ball chafing deodorant and moisturizer. Whatever you need to spruce up your balls, Manscaped has got you covered. Subscribe to the perfect package and get a new replacement blade refill for your lawnmower trimmer delivered to your door every three months. And for a limited time, subscribers get two free gifts. The Shed Travel Bag, $39 value, what? and the patented high-performance reduced chafing Manscaped boxer briefs. I love all the testosterone this company is bringing to the table. This is the perfect package for your perfect package, and we've got a great deal for you, Privates. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code PRIVATE at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code PRIVATE. It's summer, baby, and your balls and whoever touches them will thank you. Do you have any tentative, I know like this is a lot and you know, you're still recalibrating, but is there anything that you're like super excited to do as like next moves or ideas about where the future might take you? This petition has got over 1200 signatures. So that's a start. (laughs) Nice. Yeah. Yeah. So when I was writing my expose, I was, I was working really closely with a friend of mine who is, uh, she works with Strippers United and she is a law student and she helped me with some of the language and stuff like that. And then she also helped, uh, I think it, I I believe it was her idea to uh, attach a petition as as like an action item. Like, okay, you, you just read this thing and now what can you do about it? And the petition is like, it's pretty broad We're we're going sort of over jumbos. So it's not, it's not about jumbos. It's a, it's going to the California legislator. And basically we are asking them to end at will firing practices for dancers. And part of that is because dancers are so uniquely vulnerable to being exploited and fired for the most ridiculous reasons more so than any other job, you know, like mm-hmm. it could be anything. It could be just like, you changed your hair, you know, like which people the have hair been thing's fired wild. From <laughs> it's, yeah. it's, it's real. That's Believe real. me, that is real. I have real. no joke. I have worn wigs because I, I, my hairstyle was commented upon that it wasn't acceptable. Can I ask what's considered an unacceptable hairstyle? Is it a racial thing? Is it a preference for long hair only? What what is? I it? I really couldn't tell you. I did cut my hair, um, and yeah, it, there was comments made. When is it going to grow back? When are you going to change it? I've mm. also changed my hairstyle where I like got bangs and then, you know, was told, oh, wow, you look so Asian with that haircut. And so I'm just like, I don't really know, like, is it cool that I look more Asian or, or not? 
Asian or like should I like what is the percentage of Asian you want me to look should I should I play it up should I not should I like what should I do should I be blonde because I was blonde also at a time it's like what should I do I don't know I feel crazy though so this is is exactly illustrative of what you're talking about Megan right about like why you need this Do I need a whole new outfit? Do I need plastic surgery? Like, I literally don't know. I'm, like, racking my brain to, like, what I can do to keep my job, you know? And this is terrifying because it's just never going to get better. And it's clearly not being determined by your customers because they're still coming. It's being determined by some crazy-ass lady that's just, like, 67% Asian. Nothing more, nothing less. This is literally every club I've ever worked at there's comments made by management and it's totally acceptable like oh like you're flat chested or like you're not in as good shape or like you know you should wear wigs or like I worked at a club in Vegas where you they made girls there was a makeup artist there with an airbrush machine and they would airbrush all of your tattoos off like you had to wear a certain uh, kind of shoe um, like you had to wear a clear shoe. No black shoes were allowed. Okay. And you had to wear like gowns. I'm not joking. Like I've worked at so many different clubs that have so many different rules. It's really maddening to keep up with like whatever club. I had different outfits for different places I worked, different ways of, of acting or being. Yeah. Oh, different music? I would literally be like a different person. A different <laughs> I love club. that you're like, oh, yeah, I'm a whole new bitch over here. <laughs> oh, no. I Literally, I've like, what do you want me to dance to? J-Lo? Like, I'll dance to J-Lo. That's cool. Like, and to the point where you're like, Sondheim? Okay. Yeah. Whatever you want. Cool. You want me to dance? <laughs> yeah. You're like, am I pussy popping to Tchaikovsky right now? <laughs> no, no. Literally. You're like. Yeah, whatever, <laughs> anything you want. Like, I'll do it to that. That's cool, you know? And you're just like, after a while, you're like, what am I, like, some puppet? Like, I don't even know who I am anymore. Yeah. This is so fucking fucked up. The psychological. It's, it's funny. It's funny. We laugh. We laugh. It's jokes. Yeah. The judge, you know, Tchaikovsky. Yeah, sure. I, we've danced to everything you can literally imagine under the sun dancing to someone singing or humming or whatever no 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 joke yeah every whatever you can imagine we've done it or worn that costume made different voices like i don't know whatever dave matthews band i've definitely danced dave matthews oh my god (laughs) oh to crash like slow I oh, am God. horrified. It was probably crash. You do that. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So, how can people sign this very necessary petition? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, the link is in my bio on Instagram, and that's my personal bio. And then it's also in the link tree for the Cyber Clown Girls bio. So, those two Instagram handles are at Megan Rippy and then also at Cyber Clown Girls Show. I think Strippers United actually made a tiny URL for it, but of course I can't remember it off the top of my head. Oh, it's not a big deal. Uh, we'll I'll definitely make, make sure. Something. Yeah, we'll definitely make sure we We're get gonna that put in it the in description. the episode description. Yeah, I've already oh, signed cool, it. Oh, cool, cool, cool. But... Yeah, I feel like, especially in California, there has been a lot of changes that have happened legally, which has affected strippers like in a lot of different ways, but pretty intensely. And so one of those was 
the AB5 legislation that I think was put into effect in 2019. I think it was signed in 2018. And um, there's a lot of contention around that because basically the strip club owners have completely abused what they were supposed to do with that law. That law was supposed to give workers more rights by classifying us as employees. And so allegedly it's supposed to give us all these protections. It's supposed to help us in, in all of these legal ways and especially moving forward. So as employees, we should be able to do X, Y, Z, but it's really, really been, it's been a terrible, terrible time for strippers. And that's because the strip club owners are not being held accountable. And I think that's because it's difficult to get people to care. So like, that's what I'm hoping that this petition is. I'm hoping that it's going to raise awareness and have people just connect with some empathy and just see that, that like on a base level, like kind of like the bare minimum that we can possibly ask for is like job security, you know? So it's like, if we can get there, it's kind of, I, I'm seeing it as like a stepping stone. So like, is that, is like, is this petition the end all be all? Like, no, not even a little bit. It's like barely, barely a step forward, but it's something. And so if we can get a foothold with that and kind of get the awareness, get people's support, which, you know, I was surprised by, I was surprised by how much support it got already. So I think that there's some hope, but I feel like if we start there, there's a million other issues that have to be addressed, but like as we have to get people to care and to know really what we're going through, like on the bare minimum, like level, like we can be fired for cutting our hair. Like that story needs to be told. Definitely. Yeah. It just humanizes people because, you know, unfortunately, yeah, this is, it's complicated because this, these are practices that um, have been accepted for so long in these industries. So yeah, uh, to humanize um, the people that work in these industries, I think it's what's important. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think you said this in your letter, maybe Megan, but you're like, we're like people in your community. We're like, you know, friends and sisters. So how can people like on a base level kind of be better allies for strippers and other sex workers? So 1500 signatures. Yeah. Yeah. That's the next goal for signatures. And I think like in a more general sense, like if you want to be like an ally to strippers and to like the movement of strippers getting more rights. I think it really starts with how you talk about them. And so I would just encourage people to like, you know, really, 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 really look at yourself when you're laughing at like, uh, like a dead hooker joke, honestly, you know, cause like, also don't say hooker. <laughs> yeah. First of all, I only say it with love, but yeah. <laughs> But like, I mean, yeah, I say that like as an example, because it's like, that's the, you know, that's the, the euphemism, but like, no, 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 you can say it. I'm saying if you're not part of the sex worker community, yeah, yeah, and you're not yeah. using it to amongst your own people, you can't just call people that do sex work hookers. Yeah. Well, I've yeah. also heard people say, well, like, I don't want to smell like a stripper. And I'm like, well, what are they? I mean, do I like smell really that? good? I'll, I'll like really like, amazing? Do, do I? <laughs> does my scent offend you? Yeah, oh, like, I didn't. Are you I, mad? No. And then they'll be like, oh my God, I didn't know. And then I'm like, well, you know, maybe you should 
not say stuff like that. It just <laughs> you starts just with don't respect. Know. Yeah. It's just there there's a fundamental and dangerous lack of respect. And so it's easy to just not care. It's easy to ignore. It's it's too easy not to empathize. And so like I yeah, I think it really starts with just seeing strippers as people and as like women or men or non-binary folks that are working a job just like you and not demonizing them and definitely not blaming them for shit that happens to them. Like, oh, you're asking for it because of your job. That's it's a really mainstream dangerous. thought. That's like, well, whatever you get, you've asked for because of where you work. And that's really dangerous. So I think, I think it would start there. Just basic, basic respect. <laughs> yeah. I think you're so right. Like the words that we use are so powerful and sometimes you just say stupid shit. I mean, everybody kind of does it, but it's so important to reconnect with like, what am I saying? And like, what does that really mean? And am I being an asshole? Yeah. And it's also like, you know, I don't think we should pretend that we're perfect. Like we, like, I don't know, we grew up in the nineties, like everyone said hooker and whore and everybody oh, said like so strippers yeah everything was totally different but like mm -hmm. now that if you're listening to this podcast and this is the first time you heard that you should not call women that do sex work whores or hookers that's okay but now that you heard that and that you heard people literally telling you nah <laughs> don't do that then now you can go on and do you know you no one's perfect like we've said multiple times during this podcast yeah so everybody should follow you regardless of whatever is next. So where can they find you guys on the internet? Yeah. Um, yeah, you can follow my personal handle. That's at Megan Rippey. Um, and I also have another handle called janky glamour. And that's where I sometimes go live and do like a really fun show on Tuesday nights it's called janky glamour Tuesday. You can find me there. Honestly, I'll tell you right now, I'm not sure what is in store for the future of Cyber Clown Girls, but follow us to find out. So follow <laughs> Cyber Clown Girls show on Instagram as well. And where can people find you, Kayla? I'm at Coco.Ono. My other show that I co-produce with Wayne Newton is called Sacred Wounds, and it's at sacred.wounds. I want to ask you about something we were talking about before we started recording, and that is your brilliant moniker, Coco Ono. You're thinking about retiring it. I was, you know, my tagline is the sex essential crisis. <laughs> Such a good line. It started as a joke, but like, I actually think that the moniker is in a constant state of existential crisis <laughs> as am i and one day i i i think i did a voice note to reagan i was like i think i'm retiring coco ono i'm that's it she's done she's done her work <laughs> and then you know i thought about it a little bit more and i was like i i created that character just to be able to like say things that like I as Kayla felt you know uncomfortable saying or or I, I just didn't maybe like know and or have it, the language so I just thought like I'd create this more outrageous version of myself and then I think it's fine like maybe she'll retire 
at some point, maybe not. I don't, I don't know. We'll see. I just also love the Prince pitch of just the artist formerly known as Coco right. Ono. <laughs> There's something about this year though that's really like I, I don't know. It just makes you like really think about yeah. what you're yeah, doing. Everything's in flux. Everything's in flux. And I think uh, for me, I know Reagan too. It's like everything I do, like I really need to know the core purpose. Um, and that takes a lot of, you know, thinking and experimenting. <laughs> yeah, so I just do this. I don't know. I just say, I don't know. We don't know. <laughs> but you're also performance artist, so you essentially will figure it out through your work. So I'm not even worried about it. I'm excited about what's going to come out of this. Totally. Yeah. Well, same. thank you. <laughs> Can you ladies also tell people uh, who might want to find out more about the strippers union where to go? Yeah, um, I'm I, I'm working with them uh, to promote the the petition and the campaign um, behind it, and it's sort of like gathering steam and gathering other voices and and other stories as well. So I'm actually really really excited about where that's going, and the organization is called Strippers United. And you can follow them at, uh, their former name was Soldiers of Pole. And that is their Instagram handle to avoid censorship. So it's at soldiers.of.pole is how you can find Strippers United. Awesome. Thank you ladies so much for talking with us about this. And thank you for always keeping us educated. Yeah, we're yep. huge stands. So thank you. We're huge we love fans. Thanks for having us. Thank you. And keep and good luck. Our invitation to our retirement party. Oh, oh my yes. God. We can't wait. It's going to be, let's just say it's going to be, I don't know what's going to happen or when it is, but it's going to be wild. Yep. I can't wait. I'm going to do so many drugs when I go and bring all my money. It's going to be so fucking tight. <laughs> please, please. All right, private, stay tuned. We covered a lot of ground in that conversation. <laughs> Truly. Holy shit. Wow. I cannot wait to check in with Megan and Kayla later and keep checking in on them and see mm -hmm. how they're doing personally and obviously come to the retirement party, um, but also keep checking in on the movement. Yes. So everyone make sure you sign the petition. I've signed it. Sophia's signed it. We're going to link it in the description. And just like Megan was saying, take a minute to reflect on how you are talking about sex workers and how much you are perpetuating this bias that creates kind of a dangerous workplace environment. And I think it's always good to revisit like, okay, what am I contributing to this personally? Yeah. And am I treating the person that's giving me joy with respect or am I actually paradoxically treating them with disrespect for all the joy they've given me? Yeah. That's fucked up. Don't be that person. <laughs> and you know, and if you have been and you're just realizing it now, just do better going forward. That's what we can do. Exactly. And if you know which dancers you were shitty to, Venmo them. 
<laughs> go back to the club and just leave them money. <laughs> totally. Money can't totally fix it, but it does help. It sure does. <laughs> but yeah, to your point, Sophia, I cannot wait to check in with these ladies again after they've had a chance to really get into their own groove. And, you know, like they were saying, this is probably the best thing that's happened to them. And I'm sure that it's going to bring all kinds of exciting growth. Yay. You love to see it. All right, private, stay tuned. We are one day in the near future going to bring you our episodes from Belize. Yes. You better Belize it, baby. I know it seems like we're lying, but you know what? We're not. It's happening. (laughs) (laughs) But until then, we have a very exciting mail corner segment. Newsflash. There's now a mail corner segment. (laughs) You got mail. That's right. If you send us an email and that can be at what's our Gmail, Courtney? (laughs) This bitch. (laughs) Private parts unknown at gmail.com, right? Yeah, just take a wild guess. I don't know. Just wanted to make sure there wasn't like a dot I was forgetting. (laughs) Anyway, email us. But I got a dope email on my website from someone named Kyle. Thank you, Kyle. And this email said, Hi, Sophia. I love the Private Parts Unknown episode about nine nasty words. And now I got to know. When and where do McWhorter's whores meet? That guy is awesome. And I'd love to be a part of that club. Thanks. (laughs) Well, we're the McWhorter's whores. So I think we meet on this podcast. But I think we should start a Zoom. (laughs) A Zoom fan group where we just come. Everyone brings their favorite cuss words And we just kiki, you know? Love it. Well, Kyle, love to meet another fellow uh, McWhorter whore. And (laughs) now that there's three of us, at least, we got to move this uh, to the Zoom, you know? Ooh, sounds like Private Parts Unknown needs a Patreon. Yeah, it sounds like uh, I probably have to finish working on that. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, you know, stay tuned. Hey, Sophia, what's that bomb-ass music? This music is by our friend Amy Roche. Her last name's spelled R-A-A-S-C-H. Find her on Spotify. This episode was mixed by Mike Castaneda from Plastic Audio. We We love love you. you. Mike, Mike, Mike. Mike, Mike, Mike. 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 (laughs) That was the remix. I don't know. We really love you, Mike. Thanks, Mike. In kind of an aggressive way. So now it's time for the review of the week. We got a re-review. Someone that had reviewed us before left us more compliments, which I'm here for it. Yeah. (laughs) Hellraiser left us extremely shareable. Every new episode makes me feel more seen, especially the new ones about neurodiverse relationships and living child free. Keep them coming. Aw. That's so nice. That's a hellraiser I would love to meet. I love it. I will raise my hell at half-mast for you tonight. <laughs> Wait, does that mean that they're dead? That's not how I meant it at all. <laughs> I can't unpack that. But privates, we would love to hear a review from you. I mean, I love random compliments from the website you can send those to sophia or myself as well but also we will take your five-star rating and review go to ratethispodcast.com private 
You can review us wherever you listen to our podcast. It's brilliant. That's ratethispodcast.com slash private. Check you guys next time. Bye. Bye.